more thy name we ask. Amen. Psalm 126, as we said already, been read to our hearts uh, this morning. It's a wonderful uh, portion of scripture. It's a tremendous psalm. The psalmist uh, here is reflecting upon the blessings of God. He's reflecting upon the goodness of God. He is thinking about the things that God has done, the things that the Lord has provided, and he's raising his heart and his soul unto the Lord in praise and in thanksgiving. We get a sense of that thanksgiving right throughout the psalm, but really we could sum it up with the words of verse number three. And the psalmist says there, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And that's not the verse I want to speak on this morning, but I just want to pause just at verse 3, just for a little moment. Can you not say this morning with the psalmist here in verse 3 that the Lord hath done great things for you, that the Lord has blessed you abundantly, that he has given you great provision in your life. We're here this morning at the harvest services. We see the good things that are presented at the front of the church here, and we think about the temporal blessing of the Lord. We think of his goodness. We think of his provision. Even from the land, we think of how our needs are met with those temporal provisions. And if you're a child of God this morning, there's an even greater provision that you've experienced in your life because we can thank the Lord for the sending of a son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have great cause to rejoice today. We have great cause to be filled with thanksgiving and gratefulness for what God has done through Jesus Christ the Lord. And surely we can say that the Lord has done great things for us. But it's the verse 6, the last verse of this psalm that we want to consider for a few moments this morning. Verse 6 takes on the theme of the harvest, very applicable for the harvest services today. And it speaks very simply of the harvest time. And that's our subject this morning, the harvest time, as it is revealed to us here in verse 6. And we thank God for the physical harvest. We thank the Lord for the reaping of the physical seed that the farmer has sown. We thank him for the goodness, his goodness and the temporal things and the things provided for the land. But there's a greater harvest that we must consider. There's a greater provision that has been made by the Lord Himself, And we want to take a few moments and look at this greater harvest uh, today. We want to notice here the first, in the first place as we look at verse 6 of Psalm 126. We want to look at the practice of the sower. The practice of the sower. The physical harvest of our field has the sower. It has the farmer. It has that one who labors to prepare the field. That one who toils to plant the seed. Who cares and nurtures for that which is planted, that one who puts in a lot of work and time and toil and effort that is responsible for the sowing of the precious seed. So too it is with the Lord's spiritual harvest. So too it is when we think about spiritual things. We know that God does not need man to complete his redemptive purpose. He doesn't need man to complete this great harvest of souls. But at the same time, God, by his grace and his mercy, God in his sovereignty, he has so ordained it that men and women and young people, they have a part to play in the great spiritual harvest. And what a privilege that is this morning. What a joy it is to have the responsibility 
The great gift of being in some form and in some fashion responsible in some part for the great spiritual harvest of the Lord. See, it's our responsibility here to be the sower that is revealed to us in verse 6. You may say this morning, well, that's not the area of work God has called me to do. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm maybe not even a Sunday school teacher. Whatever else you can think of as it comes to your mind this morning. I don't have the skills. I don't have the abilities. I don't have the confidence. I don't have the knowledge and all these things to be a sower in the harvest of the Lord. And yet it is a responsibility for us all today. All the children of God are expected to fulfill this role of the sower as revealed in verse number 6. The desire, the responsibility, the burden of all the people of God should be to take on this role and this position of the sower. To seek to win souls for Christ. To seek to spread the message of the gospel. That's our responsibility this morning. There's something amiss in our hearts and in our souls if we do not have a desire to sow the seed of the gospel. If we have no desire for the souls of this world. If we have no hunger to see souls one for Christ, there is something seriously amiss in our heart and in our soul. As a child, I often wondered why when we were saved, we didn't just go to be with Christ in heaven straight away. That's a lovely thought, isn't it? To be saved and instantly to go to be with Christ as our own impersonal Savior. I used to think how wonderful that would be as a child. I wondered why. When we were saved, we didn't go to be with him immediately. But later, as life went on, we learn that we remain in this world. We stay here in this world that the Lord has created because there's a work for us to do for the Master. We are involved in this great harvest of God. We're to be involved in the sowing of the precious seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to notice here in terms of this sower that we have in verse 6, firstly, the fact here that he went. He went, we're told there in verse 6, he that goeth forth. And that phrase there, it doesn't just give a sense of a one time going forth. It's not a single action, but when we look at the original word that is used and translated as the word forth there, the sense is that this sower here, he is going to and fro. He is continually going to and fro. He is continually planting and sowing the seed of the gospel. There is a continual working, a continual sowing. And child of God, this morning we must be proactive in the work of God. There must be a continual working. There must be a continual laboring. We must ever be going to and from in the work of the Lord. There must be this continuing of our labor. Matthew 9 and the verses 37 to 38, wonderful words. The Savior said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. There's to be a laboring here in the work of the Lord. I wonder this morning, dear child of God, what are you doing for the Lord? What have you done for the Lord, even as you think back over this past week? That has gone into God's eternity. What have you done for your Savior? What have you done in the great harvest of God? Oh, you might not be called to be a preacher. You might not be called to be an evangelist. But what have you done in the little corner that the Lord has placed you? 
How have you served the Lord this week? How have you sought to further his kingdom? How have you sought to sow the precious seed of the word of God? What have you done for Christ this week? We're to be working for the Lord. There's to be a continual going to and fro. Not only did this sower here go, he went, but we also notice that he worked. You see, the very fact that he went forth, that involved labor. It involved toil. It involved effort. Here was a man that wasn't just sitting idly. Here was a man that wasn't just hoping that the seed would come to him and eventually the harvest would would grow. No, it was a man that got up and he went forth. He, uh, He had labor. He had work. He put in effort and toil for the work of the Lord. And the work of the Lord is a difficult work. It's a challenging work. It involves labor. It involves toil. It involves hard work. He went, he worked. But also we see there in verse 6 that he wept. He wept. Tells us he that goeth forth and weepeth. Here's a man who was sowing the precious seed. He was laboring here in the harvest fields. And we're told that he went. We're told that he worked. But then we're told that he wept. He had a great burden. There's a great burden that we all must have as we seek to serve the Lord. A heavy burden to see souls won for the Savior. We're not to go forth into the harvest in a careless manner. We're not to go forth into the work of the Lord, not really caring about the results or or what will happen. The the farmer here, as he is revealed to us in verse 6, this one who is sowing the seed, he went forth weeping. He went forth with a great burden. He had a care for what he was doing. And even today, as we think of the farmer in the field, does he not have a great burden? Does it not weigh heavily upon his heart throughout the seasons until he sees the seed bearing fruit? Does he not have it upon his mind and upon his heart as he nurtures and maintains that seed to give it the best possible outcome as he looks after the field, as he prepares for the crop? Oh, he has a concern. He has a a burden. He wants the harvest to be successful. He wants there to be fruit as a result of his labors. He goes out with a great care and a great burden. And how much more important is that in the spiritual harvest? This thought greatly challenged me when I thought about this verse. And I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you had a burden for the work of the Lord? When was the last time that you wept over a lost soul? When was the last time as you were on your knees in prayer, as you were praying for the salvation of souls, as you were praying for the work of the Lord to be revived and to go forward, when was the last time that those streams of tears flowed down your face? We're not talking about a superficial weeping, a weeping for public show, but a burden and a compassion for the lost. That time spent in the privacy of the closet where you're physically crying out to the Lord, such is the burden and the compassion you have in your heart to see souls won for Christ. What a challenge to your hearts this morning. Here was one that went forth weeping. And yet, with regret, I believe it's true to say that in the church of the Lord, we have on the whole and largely lost the great burden. That great weight that rests upon our hearts, that ought to rest, upon our hearts and our souls to see souls won for Christ. 
And we need to get that burden back. We only need to look around churches in this land of ours where the emphasis is no longer on the saving of precious souls but the entertaining of the crowds. There's no desire to see souls plucked from that road that is leading to destruction, but a desire to tickle their ears, a desire to provide entertainment on for them instead of winning them for Christ, and the burden has been lost. Churches where they teach that all are going to heaven, we do the best that we can. We do what we do for the Lord, and well, whatever happens will end up in heaven anyway. Rather than winning souls for Christ, rather than pointing men and women to heaven, they're leading them further down that road to hell because the burden's been lost. The child of God were to go forth weeping. What greater example than we have of Christ himself? Think of how in John eleven thirty five we read Jesus wept as he wept over his friend Lazarus. Think of how he wept over the city of Jerusalem in Luke 19. And the verse 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Our Savior stood in the heights outside of Jerusalem and he wept over it. He had a compassion and a burden for it. What an example we have in our Savior. The compassion and a burden for the loss. And of course that compassion and that burden and that love was so greatly manifested and displayed when he went there to Calvary, when he stretched out his arms as he was nailed to that old rugged cross, as the blood of our precious Savior flowed from his wounded side, as he bore the wrath of God for his people, as he bore the sin of sinners, as he was separated from God, the Heavenly Father, as he took the punishment for our sin. Oh, what a display of the love for sinners that Christ had. John 15, 13 tells us greater love. With no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Great compassion for the lost. I wonder this morning, do you know Christ as your Savior, that one who gave his life for sinners, that one who bled and died, that one who were told off in John three sixteen, as we read that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you experienced the love of God in your hearts? Do you know him as your own and personal saviour? Well, there's to be a great weeping as we go forth into the harvest fields. Years ago, a young minister visited Dundee in Scotland. He was deeply concerned about his own ministry. He hadn't been seeing much fruit for his labours, and he was greatly discouraged and worried and fearful, and was wondering what he could do to seek to see fruit in his work. And he decided to visit the place where Robert Murray McShane had ministered, that man who had ministered in such evident power of the Holy Spirit, that man who had seen souls won through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that visiting minister, he went to that place where uh, our brother McShane had ministered and he asked the caretaker of the church, could you tell me the secret of the ministry of Robert Murray McShane? That old caretaker took that young minister into the church building. He brought him into the desk that McShane used to sit at. He told him to sit down and to put his elbows on the table. And that's what he did. 
Now put your face in your hands, he said. Yes, that's just how Robert Murray McShane did it. The caretaker then said to that young minister, Now let the tears flow from your face. Yes, that's how Robert Murray McShane did it. You see, he had a burden for the lost. He had a compassion for souls. That was the secret, if we want to call it that, of his ministry. He had a burden for souls. He went forth, as we read here in verse 6, weeping. Carrying the precious seed, weeping as he brought it forth, as he preached to countless souls. And friends, this morning, we need to get the burden back for the lost souls of this world, for this area, for this nation. How do we do that? Well, we must pray to the Lord of the harvest. We must look to God in heaven. We must pray for that burden to be upon our hearts and our souls. We're to take heed of the practice of this sower in Psalm 126, and let us go forth into the spiritual harvest weeping. Think of the words of Jude, verses 22 and 23, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Do you have a compassion for the lost? Not only do we see the practice of the sower. But then secondly this morning we see the preciousness of the seed. Preciousness of the seed. The farmer would not have much success if he went forth into the harvest with nothing to sow. He cannot expect that field to bear fruit if it had not been planted with the correct and the proper seed. And so it is when we enter into the spiritual harvest of the Lord we're to take the seed with us. We're to be prepared. That seed that is to be sown, that seed that is to be planted. We're not to go forth empty-handed, but we're to come bearing precious seed. That's what we're told here in verse number 6. We are not to go with the word of man. We're not to go with empty hands. We're not to go with our own notions or desires, but we're to go bearing the precious seed of the word of the living God. That's the seed that has been referred to here in verse 6. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the word of the living God. What a privilege it is to be able to go into the harvest of the Lord with a seed that is sure, a seed that is steadfast, a seed in which we have no doubt. There are many churches today, you can think even of some of the charismatic movements, and they're sending forth laborers into the harvest, they're sending missionaries into all corners of the harvest fields of this world, but they're being sent forth with rotten seed, with corrupt seed. With seed that is not fit for the harvest of the Lord. They're spreading a man-made gospel. They have invented many novelties and notions. And bringing in the big numbers. And entertaining the crowds. They are playing with emotions. They are asking people to make commitments. They've neglected the word of the living God. They haven't gone forth with the precious seed of the gospel. They've gone forth with a corrupt seed. Asking people just to do whatever they can. Make whatever commitments they're able to make and it'll all be okay. Praise God this morning we have the incorruptible seed of God's word. We have the precious truth of the gospel as we seek to labor for the Lord. And this seed when sown as 
we are told here in verse 6 with the tears of that who would, those who would sow it as it goes forth in the power of the Holy Spirit of God when it is planted through God's will and purpose it will bring forth fruit comfort we have in the words of Isaiah 55 in the verse 11 so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Oh, the preciousness of the seed of the gospel. It's the very word of the living God, the very truth of God himself, and we're told here that it will accomplish that which God has sent it forth to accomplish. What an encouragement as we tell others of the need of salvation. What an encouragement as we seek to witness for the Lord in this day and age where men and women hate the message of the gospel. They hate the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard it said the other day that the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is both the most loved name in this world but also the most hated. And we live in a world that hate the name of Christ. They hate the message of the gospel. They've no time for the things of God. And as we go forth and seek to witness for the Lord and seek to preach the gospel and invite others to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, oh, how we can be greatly discouraged. We can be downcast at rejection after rejection. We can be downcast by those who have no time for the things of God. And yet here's the promise that we come with precious seed and it will never return unto the Lord void. Oh yes, we're to have that burden for souls. Yes, we're to go forth with a concern and a care. But all the time we have this great assurance that God's will will be accomplished so long as it is the precious seed that we are bringing forth into the harvest field. We need to avoid man-made gimmicks. We need to steer clear of altering the word of God and get back to the good old gospel preaching. We need to avoid corrupting the seed of God. We are not to bring mere entertainment to the people. We're not to endorse the things of the world, but we're to come bearing the precious seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is that that the Lord has promised to bless. And many today, even so-called God's people, and they don't see the importance of the word of God. They claim it's not relevant for today. They claim it's out of date, it's old-fashioned, something that should be confined to museums and history books. They claim that it has lost its effectiveness in reaching lost souls, that they're more effective means today to see souls one for Christ. They think they know better than the word of the Lord itself. And yet we're told in Romans 10:17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the word of God that the Lord uses. And the word of God is just as relevant. It's just as up to date. It's just as powerful and effective today as it ever has been. Why? Because it's the precious seed of God. I was challenged in an open air in Belfast back when I was a student in the Whitfield College of the Bible. An American visitor who claimed to go to church back home in America somewhere, he asked me while somebody else was preaching what we were doing on the street, preaching, and do we think it works? 
Think of quoted the words of Mark 16, 15, we're told, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And that man, he responded to me by saying, Do you take that verse literally? And he had strayed away from the word of God. He, had never, he didn't believe that the word was effective anymore. He thought it was a waste of time to open up the precious word of God in the streets and to proclaim it. He thought it was no longer relevant. What a sad thing that was. Many are straying away from the book. They're shying away from the precious seed of the gospel. They're turning to all different things in the world. They are not wanting to offend people by calling them sinners, by telling them that they need Christ as their own and personal saviour, and they're going forth with a corruptible seed. But we're to remember this morning that this seed that we have, the word of the living God as it is described here in verse 6, it is precious. And it's this word that we're to go forth as we seek to labour for the Lord bearing and sowing. We're to be like this sower here. He that goeth forth and we be bearing precious seed. Not only in this spiritual harvest do we have the practice of the sower and the preciousness of the seed, but then thirdly, And finally here, we see here the product of the sowing. The product of the sowing. Verse 6 of Psalm 126 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The Holy Spirit this morning is the Lord of the harvest. We are to be faithful in sowing the seed, but we leave the results to the Spirit of God. I was listening to an old sermon of a pastor by the name of Adrian Rogers the other day, and in a particular point in his sermon, he was speaking to pastors, to ministers, and he said something that is true, really, to some extent, to us all, to all of God's people. He said that our responsibility is not to fill an auditorium, but to fill the pulpit. And as we go forth in the harvest, of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not our responsibility to play the numbers game, but it's our responsibility to be faithful. Remember a man in my church in Donegadee that I attended before I went into the college, just before I started college, he told me that God has called me not to get results, but to be faithful. To be faithful. In the preaching of the precious seed of the Lord Jesus Christ. There will be those times when we work hard in the harvest. Those times when we labor greatly. Those times when we put in great toil, we will shed many tears in the work of the Lord, and yet there seems to be very little for it. But we're to take encouragement from this psalm this morning because we're told that the time of reaping will come. It will come. We see firstly here, that there's a reassurance. I love that word, doubtless, that is used there in verse 6. It would read perfectly well without that word. There would still be a blessed assurance contained that a time of reaping will come. But how great it is there to notice that word, doubtless. You see, we're to have no doubt. We're to be as sure as we can be that our labors for Christ and his harvest, they will never be in vain. Oh, yes, there will be those times that we will not see the results in this scene of time. But in glory all will be 
revealed. And we will have a true understanding. We will have a true comprehension of the great reaping of souls and the spiritual harvest. We will see the effect of the bearing of the precious seed. But I believe there will also be those times here on earth when the sowers and the harvest of the Lord will receive blessing and encouragement because of their labors for the Lord. You see, not only is there a reassurance here, but we're promised a rejoicing. The sower will doubtless come again with rejoicing. And verse 5 in Psalm 126 can really be said to sum up this very point, because it says there, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. There shall be a time of rejoicing. There shall be a time of joy. God does not promise that uh, everything we do will see souls saved. He does not promise that everyone we seek to win for him will come through for Christ. But he does promise that sooner or later a harvest will come. There will be a time of rejoicing. There will be a time when we will come with shouts of joy as souls pass from death unto life. There will be a reward for our labors in the Lord. The truth of Jesus Christ, this precious seed. Verse 6, we know that it is perfectly used by God to the needs and the cravings of the human soul. We know that the Holy Spirit has power to break the stoniest of all hearts. We know that the seed of truth may slumber in a soul for many years before it eventually becomes fruitful. And we look forward to the hour beyond this scene of time when only then we will know truly the great harvesting of precious souls through the sowing of the precious seed. The farmer sows his seed. He looks for the rain. He looks for the wind, he looks for the sunshine, he hopes for the harvest in the autumn. But there are times when the farmer's disappointed. There may come the period of famine, there may come the period of drought, there may come the period of flooding, and for one reason or another the harvest has not come. But we who labor earnestly and prayerfully in the fields of the spiritual harvest, we shall not be disappointed because we have a great promise here that we shall doubtless, Come again with rejoicing. Thirdly, finally then, in this product of the sowing, not only is there the reassurance, not only is there the rejoicing, but we see here the reaping, because our text says, bringing his sheaves with him. What's the main aim of this sowing in verse 6? What was the purpose of this one who went forth bearing precious seed? What is the point of us laboring for the Lord and his work? Well, we want to see souls coming with us into a glorious eternity with Christ. We want to see the name of God glorified in the building up of his kingdom. The saving of precious souls, that ought to be our desire. We want to see a great spiritual reaping in the harvest. There are some today... And they enter into the work of the Lord because they like to be in the limelight. You can sure think of those televangelists or those that name their ministries after themselves and they're pleading for money week by week. They thrive on the fame. They thrive on the limelight. They thrive on the attention. And their only desire is to further their own careers. They don't care really whether a soul is going to heaven or hell. 
But it doesn't matter whether we have a prominent role in the church or not. It doesn't matter whether we're well known and popular or not. Because our main priority, our main mission is to win souls for Christ. We're to long for that great spiritual reaping. We long to come back from the harvest fields, as we're told here, bringing our sheaves with us. The great hymn says we're going home to glory soon. To see the city bright, to walk the golden streets of heaven and bask in God's own light. But some of you are out of Christ and held by many a snare. We cannot leave you lost and lone. We want you over there. We come to tell the story true of love so rich and free. Crucified and risen Lord has grace for you and me. Oh listen to the words of love his messengers declare. We cannot leave you lost and lone. We want you. Over there. Is that your desire this morning, dear child of God? Do you want to see souls one for Christ? Are you longing for that day when you'll bring your sheaves in with you from the great spiritual harvest? Are you prepared to go and to work for the Master? Are you prepared to labor and toil? Do you have a burden to weep over lost souls? Do you spend those times in prayer burdened to see men and women and young people one for Jesus Christ? Oh, as we go forth into the harvest, as we seek to labor for the Lord, the responsibility that is upon each and every child of God, may we go forth bearing this precious seed. And may we cling on to that great promise that we shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing our sheaves in with us. What a blessed promise it is. And I wonder this morning, as you're here in God's house, do you know the Lord of the harvest? Do you know the one that is revealed to us in the precious seed of the gospel? Do you know Christ as your own and personal Savior? On that great day when the wheat and the tares will be separated, will you be gathered into the kingdom of the Lord? Will you be gathered in? To God's storehouse in heaven. Do you know Christ as your own and personal saviour? We give thanks this morning. To what the Lord has provided for us temporarily. What about the great gift that is offered through Jesus Christ. The salvation of precious souls. I wonder if you accepted that great gift. If you come to know Christ as your own and personal saviour. Are you trusting in him this morning? I trust and pray that if you're not, that today you would come and receive the great gift of the gospel and place your faith and trust in Christ as your own and personal Savior. May the Lord bless his word to your hearts this morning for his own.